All right, y'all. Welcome to the show. I got an awesome one for you today. So um, the RNC learned none of the lessons of getting destroyed in the midterm elections. And um, that's going to come back to bite them, man, because they're readjusting their strategy moving forward and they're doing it in the wrong direction. So we'll talk about that. I also have um, Dave Rubin comments on uh, Jordan Peterson and Joe Rogan talking about climate change. And mm, man, he's so sad. He's he's gripping on to relevance as hard as he possibly can and still failing. So we'll talk about that. And then um, we have another crackdown from YouTube, another crackdown that makes absolutely no sense that they need to be called out over. So we're going to do exactly that. And then later on in the show, AI porn, AI, I, I don't know, what would you call them? Cam girls, OnlyFans girls? I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm a grandpa. I'm a boomer. Back in my day, we didn't even know how to be jerk off. Um, so... They're getting kind of realistic, man. They're getting kind of realistic. We're going to talk about that. Um, do the OnlyFans women have to worry now? Do they have to worry? Because honestly, it looks like they got some competition just from artificial intelligence. So we'll talk about that and much more. All right, let's go ahead and dive into it here. So first up, we have this uh, story here from Raw Story. They say RNC pushes for strongest possible abortion restrictions despite voter backlash in 2022. Ooh, so for those of you who haven't been following the ins and outs of this, and I don't blame you, by the way. <laughs> I don't want to, but I do. There, uh, We had the RNC election recently for who's going to be the leader. And what happened was Mike Lindell, the MyPillow crazy guy, he was running. Then you had, what's what's I think her name is Harmeet Dillon. Um, she was running as well. And you had uh, Rana McDaniel, who is the previous head of the RNC, who was basically running to get reelected. Now, uh, the idea is McDaniel represents the establishment wing of the RNC, and she ended up winning. And by the way, it was uh, Big Papa Trump who stepped in at the last moment and backed McDaniel. And that, you know, a lot of conservatives are upset about that. They see, you know, Trump's playing the game and they don't like that he is playing the game. They, In their mind, he's supposed to be above politics and he's supposed to be Somebody who doesn't give into the Washington games. Well, he did in this case. Um, but in order for her to try to placate people to her right, which again is a lot of them and they're very loud and aggressive now, in order for her to do that, she's like, what if we uh, pledge to crack down on abortion even harder? Okay, so let me give you some of the specifics here. Voters across the United States in 2022 rejected Republican-backed efforts to restrict abortion access in both purple states uh, such as Michigan and even deep red states such as Kansas. By the way, that's a fact that's not brought up nearly enough. In Kansas, when you send it directly to the people, hey guys, vote, what do you think on abortion? They overwhelmingly vote, we want to keep it legal. This is in Kansas, a deep red state. So what does that tell you? There's like a silent majority on this issue and many other issues where, you know, the pro-freedom position, the left position is the position the people actually want. Despite this, reports Forbes, the Republican National Committee is pushing for GOP candidates to take tough stances on reproductive rights heading into the 2024 elections. Specifically, the RNC passed a resolution calling on Republicans across the country to pass the strongest pro-life legislation possible in their states, including barring abortions for people who are just six weeks pregnant. OK, so hold on. We got to talk about this. Passed the strongest pro-life legislation possible. So I don't know if you guys are familiar with this, but the strongest 
pro-life legislation possible includes something like a national abortion ban. Mike Pence has been pushing for a national abortion ban. See, the Republicans used to say, who, us, bro? No, we don't. All we want to do is get rid of Roe versus Wade and then call it a day. And like, then we're good. Just leave it up to the states. Leave it up to the states. And then now that they've already achieved that and Roe versus Wade is gonzies, they do an about face and they're like, yeah, when we said that, what we really meant was we're going to get rid of it everywhere. So that's one of the toughest things you can imagine. Another one of the toughest things you can imagine is um, they're cracking down on the abortion pill. In some states, they're uh, crafting legislation that says a woman who, for example, lives in Texas is not legally allowed to go elsewhere to, like, travel to another state where abortion is legal to get the abortion. I mean, we're talking really bonkers authoritarian things here. And this is this is what the RNC is saying. Pass the strongest pro-life legislation possible. Now, by the way, I a question for them. When you talk about pro-life legislation, I assume you all are anti-death penalty, too, right? I assume you're against the drone war, right? Because I'm just saying those are very, uh, you know, it's pro-life to be against the drone war. It's pro-life to be against capital punishment. But of course, they don't mean that. Everybody knows they don't mean it. It's all about a fetus. So they continue here and say the RNC also uh, urged GOP candidates to go on the offense against Democrats for defending abortion rights. Good luck with that. An RNC committee woman Uh, Tamara Scott called the push to restrict women's access to abortion services as a key ingredient for GOP victory in 2024. That's hilarious. As Forbes noted, however, there is a strong reason to be skeptical that running on the most strictest restrictions on women's reproductive care will be a good strategy for the GOP. Quote, 60 percent. That's the share of Americans who believe abortion should be legal in all or most cases, according to an NPR Ipsos poll conducted in January. The report notes the poll also found that 69 percent majority of respondents want abortion policy in their state to be decided by voters through ballot measures rather than state legislatures. Now, it goes further than that, guys. We've seen the polls. We've shared them with you. Um, the, The least popular position in the country is make it illegal in all cases. I mean, it goes... It's from like 19% to as low as 7% of the country that says make it illegal in all cases. So the most popular position is actually the moderate position, the reasonable position, the Roe versus Wade position of like, look, let's separate this out. Early on in the pregnancy, totally your choice. Uh, What used to be called the second trimester, that's where you could have some more regulations, but you can't fully ban it. And then once you get to late term, then, you know, it's up to the states. If the states want to ban it, they can ban it. That like moderate legislation is the ideal to most Americans, which is why every poll showed when Roe versus Wade was thrown out, Americans turned around and said, don't, don't do that. Put it back. We actually prefer that. We actually like that. Um, so the good news here is they're going to shoot themselves in the foot again, man. If, if what it looks like is going to happen right now happens, oh, they're in trouble. These guys are in trouble. Because then you have a Trump nominee heading into 2024 because there are going to be 17 other weirdos running who split the vote between the anti-Trump portion of the Republican base. Trump's going to waltz in there after getting like 29% in the primary. Um, And you're going to have Trump at the head of the ticket, and you're going to have a Republican Party that learned literally zero lessons from the last three elections. Because remember, 2018, 2020, 2022, they got draxed in all of them. And so now they're, they're looking at the results and they say, Let's lean into our least popular issue. It's amazing. It's amazing. So this reminds me of like the Democrats back when the Democrats were fundamentally incapable of readjusting their strategy going forward. 
it, this, it, they're a- actively getting worse. These Republicans are. So you guys want to run on being restrictive when it comes to abortion? Be my guest. Be my guest. You know, you're preaching to your tiny little base uh, choir. This is not, this has no broad appeal. How are you going to get the moderates? How are you going to get the independents? How are you going to get the centrists? How are you going to win over some Democratic voters, right? You're not going to win over any of them. You're catering to the evangelical bloc, of which it's it's a shrinking percentage of the population, and you're expecting to win national elections on this? Good luck, bro. Good luck. But hey, I should be cheering them on because they're just... They're playing right into their opponent's hands. I do have to say, y'all, I get so tired talking about uh, Trump legal issues because he's got so many cases against him right now. And then, you know, you read through them and it's like they're a dime a dozen. (laughs) So like it doesn't it's it was exciting when it was like one case or two cases and they looked like they had promise. But now it's like there's a new court case every other day and in most of them, it looks like just a little slappy slapping tin on the wrist. And so it's like, do we all, do we really get excited over this? So anyway, here's the new one. Trump may face criminal charges for Stormy Daniels hush money as Manhattan DA makes dramatic escalation of the case. So just to give you guys the background on this, the, the claim here is, I'm sure you all remember the Stormy Daniels, um, you know, scandal where Stormy Daniels said, oh, yeah, Trump slept with me. And um, so he, he had an affair, but. Nobody really cares about that part of it in today's day and age. The, the part people care about is he used campaign funds to pay her off to shut up. Mm, okay, well, now that's a little sketchy. That's a little yikesy, and maybe that's perhaps illegal. So here's, here's what they say. The Manhattan District Attorney's Office will reportedly start presenting evidence to a grand jury as they prepare to consider criminal charges against Donald Trump over the Stormy Daniels saga. CNN reported on Monday that David Pecker... David Pecker. Come on, man. That's awesome. A Trump ally and former publisher of the National Enquirer was scheduled to have a meeting this week with Manhattan prosecutors who are investigating the former president. The New York Times followed up with their own report stating Pecker, Pecker and his lawyer were seen at the building where a grand jury was impaneled for the case of Trump's role in paying hush money to a porn star while running for president. The grand jury was recently... The grand jury was recently impaneled and witness testimony will soon begin a clear signal that the district attorney, Alvin Bragg, is nearing a decision about whether to charge Mr. Trump. The Times reported Mr. Bragg's decision to impanel a grand jury focused on the hush money, supercharging the longest running criminal investigation into Mr. Trump, represents a dramatic escalation in an inquiry that once appeared to have reached a dead end. The case surrounds the longstanding allegation that the former president violated campaign finance laws by organizing payments to pay off Stormy Daniels and prevent her from going public with her story about his affair with her. Pecker's involvement stems from how he allegedly worked with Trump with former Trump lawyer Michael Cohen to set up a catch and kill arrangement to pay Daniels off and keep the story suppressed. Cohen was sentenced to three years in prison after pleading guilty to federal campaign finance charges from the payout. Wow. So that guy went down over this exact issue. The Times reports that the prosecutor subpoenaed phone records and are reaching out to former Trump campaign officials in an apparent effort to corroborate witnesses from the saga. This also ties in with other financial fraud investigations into Trump's business life. Quote, a conviction is not a sure thing, in part because a a case could hinge on showing that Mr. Trump and his company falsified records to hide the payout from voters days before the 2016 election, a low level felony charge that would be based on largely untested legal theory. Huh? The Times says. 
The case would also rely on the testimony of Michael D. Cohen, Mr. Trump's former fixer, who made the payment and who himself pleaded guilty to federal charges related to hush money in 2018. See, look, this is what's so annoying about this stuff, right, is that you catch Trump like dead to rights committing a crime. He may as well have tattooed on his forehead like, I am a crime. I, I am a criminal. I do crimes, <laughs> right? You catch him dead. And then every time you read an article about it, they're like, well, look, I mean, even though we caught him, even though we have all the evidence, the fact of the matter is if you interpret subsection D31 of the criminal code and you divide by the square root of 12, eventually what you find out is maybe it's not actually going to be able to get him on anything. Why? What? So, look, what Trump's good at is he covers his bases. So this guy, Michael Cohen, already went to prison for him. How many people have been to prison because of Donald Trump? How many people have, like, taken the fall for him? It reminds me of, remember uh, when P. Diddy apparently was involved in some shooting in a club and and the rapper Shine went down for him? Remember that? And everybody knew P. Diddy was the guilty one, but Shine ended up taking the fall. And it's like, man, that's dark. That's some dark stuff. Anyway, um, that's a random side point, but... This happens with, like, all of his cases, right? It's like, hey, we have all the evidence. He's clearly guilty, but we're not going to be able to get him. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> what? And we've seen this before. So um, he was he was fined, I think it was like $1.6 million in, in a different case on some other issue recently, which for him is like, that's nothing. That's peanuts. That's it's not going to disincentivize him from doing any of these other crimes in the future. And then you have some civil cases where it's like, okay, he's got to pay X amount out because of this problem or that problem. Look, what I'm waiting for is a heavy hitter thing. What I'm waiting for is like, yeah, you're guilty. And uh, the penalty for this thing is prison time and you're gonzo, son. That's what I'm waiting for. And look, it might be wishful thinking, but it shouldn't be. It really shouldn't be. Because again, at this point, how many more cases can we open up into the guy? Remember, they have him on on the phone talking to top officials in Georgia saying, find me 11,000 votes, elections rigged. We have to overturn it, find me the 11,000 votes, and then just give it to me. It's like, okay, how is that not enough? How is that not enough to find him guilty of something? I mean, it really is astonishing stuff. And so you got that. You got the January 6th investigation. I doubt much will come from that because, you know, it's it's, it's a little bit of a stretch to pin it all directly on him. Um, but some of the other things, like the financial fraud, you I can't imagine he gets away, but he seems to always do it in the past. I mean, on the financial fraud front, even relating to the rigged election, he raised like $250 million from his own people and then spent the money on other stuff. Said, oh, we're going to, we're going to stop the overturning of the election. And then he just pocketed all that money. So what are we talking, how many things can he be guilty of and then just get away? It reminds me of the old tweet, the, uh, you know. I'd like to see old Donnie wriggle his way out of this one, and then he does it easily. It's like, ah, well, nevertheless. But there are certain things where he actually has done the crime. It's not bogus like Russiagate or anything else. And so we'll see. But this this is not one of the um, high-level cases here. This is not one of the high-level, like, hey, if they get him, he's really in trouble type stuff. I wish it was, but this probably is going to be more of a slap on the wrist. I mean, this is peanuts for the real crimes he's actually involved in. Um, So we'll see. We'll see. But to me, the most egregious stuff on top of the, you know, trying to coup the government uh, is all the the business dealings with Saudi Arabia. This clear pay-to-play corruption. You know, the 
Jared Kushner took $2 billion from them and allegedly was showing them CIA intelligence, which led MBS to crack down on dissidents in his own country. Trump taking probably $100 million for these live golf events, these Saudi uh, tour golf events. Like, this, this is the real stuff, man. This is the real stuff. I hope, hope they can get him over that or something akin to it. Because um, I think the civil case uh, and potentially even the criminal case into some of his business practices, while there is a lot of there there and he's the world's most obvious liar, it ain't going to be enough to get the kind of justice that we want. Because as you know and as I know, white-collar criminals, eh, they kind of skate in this country, right? If you're a politician and you're corrupt, you kind of skate. If you're a white-collar criminal, you kind of skate. If you go rob a convenience store, oh, you can get 20 years in prison. But if you, um, you know, defraud 20,000 people with, like, bogus predatory mortgages, well, that's fine. Then we, then we give you a promotion and a bonus. That's what happens. So anyway, there you go. New case into Trump. Untested legal theory. Don't know what's going to come of it, but just add it to the list of the 12 other Trump cases. So Jordan Peterson went on Joe Rogan's podcast, and we covered the other day a surprising clip to me that Jordan Peterson actually disagreed with Ron DeSantis, with Ron DeSantis cracking down on AP African-American history and banning that in high school and, you know, the crackdown on CRT. I was surprised to hear Jordan Peterson say, look, you know, when I say I'm in favor of free speech, I mean it in this way, too. I mean, don't just ban the ideas you don't like. You don't like CRT? Okay, well, it should be allowed to be discussed in the classroom. You can present your counter ideas, but don't just, don't just you know, brush it aside, swat it aside. I mean, this is we're supposed to be the ones who engage. So that was, the, you know, the part of the podcast, and I warned all of you, that's the part of the podcast where I was like, okay, this is like the most reasonable point I've heard him make this entire time. The rest of the podcast was like, Jesus Christ. I mean, he was... He was getting super religious. Um, he talks about this new initiative he's doing, which is policy-oriented, but none of the policies are actual like government policies that would help people and fix things like universal health care, ending corruption, or ending wars, or anything like that. Um, so, of course, leave it to Dave Rubin. The clout shark he is. You know, he wants, to, uh, he wants to grab onto some relevance and squeeze for dear life here. So he takes the, a clip of Peterson on Rogan, and it's one where uh, Peterson is going off on climate change. And I just love this because he adds nothing to the clip. Like he just him uploading this clip was like, please just give me 200,000 views on YouTube. Like there, he literally adds nothing. OK, but I want to respond to what Peterson says in the clip and to uh, to Dave Rubin's sad reaction. So let's listen. Speaking of Jordan Peterson, uh, Jordan Peterson was on a very small podcast on the computer machine. You may have heard of this thing. It's called the Joe Rogan Experience. Uh, and he was on a couple days ago and they started talking about what's going on with the World Economic Forum. What is going on with these people who meet to decide that top down layer of we control you down there? I thought this was quite good. I, now, before we show this clip, World Economic Forum. It's it's a it's a gathering of billionaires, politicians and hyper capitalists. And what they want to do is continue to extract surplus value from workers. What they want to do is continue to um, flex their power, rig the system in their favor and have weird uh, sci fi futuristic conversations uh, about about policy. That's what they do. So, so the conspiracy for the World Economic Forum is out in the open. The conspiracy is billionaires exist and they're in bed with politicians and they are rigging the system in their favor. 
the conspiracy is capitalism. But of course, the right pretends like, actually, actually, bro, these guys are like communists. They want to give all the power to the workers, these guys. That's why they're so bad. <laughs> what? Nothing could be further from the truth. Anyway, okay, let's listen. I've been trying to understand the driving ideas underneath this globalist utopian tyranny that seems to be developing from the top down. And I think it's driven at least in part by this religious vision that I already described, you know, that you have to construe culture itself, especially industrial culture, as the tyrannical father raping and pillaging everything in its way, which is unbelievably dangerous way to think. Too. I mean, look, that's the most obvious straw man I've ever heard of people. Now, he's going to go on. He's clearly referencing people who care about climate change and want to do something about climate change. He's like besmirching them. But that is such a straw man of what their beliefs are. The system represents the patriarchal father, and then, then they want to stop that, and they don't have the correct view. I, that's a terrible Jordan Peterson impression, by the way. But, like, nobody says that. Nobody believes that. These are the people who usually say, like, hey, man, we need to steel man people who disagree with us. Don't straw man them. But this is a colossal straw man of people who want to fight back against climate change. And again, it becomes clear in a second that this is who he's referring to. I'm going to run it back in touch. You have to construe culture itself, especially industrial culture, as the tyrannical father raping and pillaging everything in its way, which is unbelievably dangerous way to think, too one-sided. And... Uh, the, the, the idea that you have to impose limits to growth on people in order to have a sustainable planet. And so when I look at ideas. So you think we could have endless growth forever and not run into an issue with our resources? I mean, that seems naive. That seems naive. Endless growth is possible and doesn't yield any externalities. I mean, that's like, on its face, that's absurd. So, yeah, there's an issue with endless growth. But now he's going to, again, further strawman it and act like people who are worried about climate change are arguing for, like, depopulating the planet and getting rid of, like, billions of people or something. I swear, this is what to watch. You'll see. It's like that, that first assumption. You know, the planet has too many people on it. It's like... I don't like to hear people say that, because when I hear that, I think, okay, buddy, who exactly are you thinking about getting rid of? Right. Oh, well, it's not like that. It's like, yeah, it's like that. It has to be. So in other words, in other words, people who are concerned about climate change and want to address it, ultimately, there's something genocidal at the core of their beliefs. They want to depopulate the planet. They want to get rid of people. And even when they tell you, no, I'm not saying I want to get rid of people, they're wrong. They actually do want to get rid of people. Look, this is a standard they would never accept if there's some left winger critiquing them and the left winger strawmans their beliefs as much as they are strawmanning the left wingers beliefs. They would never they would say this is a, a dishonest actor. This is intellectually dishonest. You're not engaging with what your opponents actually believe. But when Jordan Peterson does it to, you know, people on the left, it's no, I'm going to tell you what you believe, even if you tell me that is not what you believe. So I'm concerned about climate change. Does that mean I want to genocide billions of people? No, no. It means I want to transition off of fossil fuels, uh, which, by the way, doesn't mean you stop it immediately and cause a global recession or a depression and, you know, make it so we're all paralyzed and can't do anything. You transition off of fossil fuels and you move towards some renewable energy system and you harness every single thing that we have. You harness wind, you harness solar you harness uh, nuclear and geothermal. 
whatever the new technology is that they're working on, carbon capture stuff, whatever it may be. So it's just, it's astonishing to me how gigantic of a straw man this is. It's just, it's, it's mind-boggling. You'd walk away from this thinking anybody who's slightly left of center is, is a mustache-twirling evil villain. And look, that may be the point. He might actually be trying to portray that on purpose. Like it, that. it is absolutely like that. Like, I've really felt that I've been at war for the last six months. And I would say it's war because what I observed happening in Europe when I was there last was that, well, and you can see this, you don't have to be in Europe to see it, but it's more direct if you're there, is that it's pretty damn clear that the globalist utopians are willing to sacrifice the poor for the sake of the planet. So, All right, where do I begin with this? The globalist utopians are willing to sacrifice the poor for the sake of the planet. So when you say globalist utopians, if he's referring to the people at Davos, right, the elites, they are not globalist utopians. They are capitalist. They are neoliberals. They believe in global free trade. And you know what? The people at Davos are willing to sacrifice the poor in terms of their wages and their quality of life. Right. They're fine with them living in abject poverty from now until the end of time. They are willing to do that, but they're willing to do that because of the system that you support, Jordan. Like. Th again, the conspiracy is out in the open. They are status quo humpers. The problem is not they have some utopian pie in the sky ideal system that they're trying to get towards. The problem is they are very comfortable under the current system when billions of people are not comfortable under that system and they're struggling to get by even if they bust their ass and they're working nonstop. So, again, if he's, if he's saying these, the people at Davos are willing to sacrifice the poor and keep them poor, oh, that is true. I wouldn't say the people at Davos are trying to genocide the poor. I'd say they, they, want, they like the status quo. They want to keep these people poor. Okay, that's the first point. Second point is, if when he says the globalist utopians are willing to sacrifice the poor, if what he means by globalist utopians is like anybody left of center and, and they want to sacrifice the poor. No, these are the only people in the world who actually seem to care about the poor, who actually want to uh, bring about some sort of trade policy and manufacturing policy and tax policy that would redistribute and help the poor out. So it's unclear who he's talking about when he says globalist utopians. If he's referring to, you know, anybody who's left of center, then um, no, those people want to help the poor. They don't want to hurt the poor. If when he says globalist utopians, he means the Davos crowd. They do want to hurt the poor, but they don't want to genocide them. They just want to keep them in abject poverty and they want to keep them... Um, struggling because capitalism is great for them and bad for the poor, but they don't care about the poor. Anyway, let's continue. Like That'd be fine with me. Not really. That'd be fine with me if the consequence of your actions, raising energy prices, for example, actually pro produced an improvement in those things you wanted to improve. If you By the way, the increase in energy prices, that has a lot to do with the war in Ukraine. That's a huge part of the issue. It's got nothing to do with globalist utopians who are like, hey, let's just cut off the oil as fast as possible and cut off the natural gas use as fast as possible because we have, you know, ideologically we're inclined to want to do that. No, even people who want to get off of oil and gas like me understand there's a transition you have to make. You can't just flip a switch and say, hey, let's just figure it out after we get. No, we need to transition. Everybody understands that. He makes it seem like people on the left are like, foaming at the mouth and oh, we must shut off oil and gas right this second and uh, goddamn the consequences. Nope. Nobody believes that. Nobody says that. If you're, if you're 
cure for the planet is, well, you know, we got to put 350 million poor people in jeopardy just so that things are hypothetically better in 100 years, I think. Yeah, I don't think so, buddy. And also, <laughs> oh, Jordan, you're being real tough there, bro. You're being super tough. I heard you say, buddy. I heard the way you said it. So it's a little bit too convenient for me that your prescriptions to save the planet are accompanied by this insistence that the only way forward to that is to give you all the power. It's like, mm. there's a bit of a moral hazard in that, don't you think? It's like, I'm just saving the planet. Give me all the power. It's like, you want to save the planet or do you want the power? And let's, let's put the first, the second one first, because the probability that you're a saint or the Messiah is pretty damn low. So before we get to Ruben's reaction, what do you think of that? Because to me, it's pretty clear he's like strawmanning left and right here. Not, not like politically left and politically right. He's strawmanning both the broader left and what he calls the globalist utopians, who I think are the Davos crowd. And it's so funny because, again, Jordan is a staunch defender of capitalism. And here he's nominally going after globalist utopians because, pff, bro, they want to keep poor people poor. Nobody wants to keep a poor person poor more than an ardent capitalist. That, that is the status quo. That is the status quo. So it's just, it's amazing on so many levels. Anyway, you could tell, absurd on so many levels. So naturally, in steps clout humper, clout shark, Dave Rubin, and here's his brilliant uh, addition to the conversation. Man, he's good. He just gets it. He's good. Um, look, this top-down thing, it ain't working, and we must fight it. And I love that Jordan said, I feel like I've been at war for the last six months. You know, I, I happen to know Jordan pretty well. I, I think he's been at war for a lot longer. I think we're all at war at some level. I love this. I love this. Because in, in the podcast with uh, Jordan Peterson and Joe Rogan, one of the claims they make is that, look, if you're, if, if you're woke— or if you're, you know, crusading against climate change, it's really easy. It's really easy to fall into that trap because you think, hey, I'm one of the good guys and I'm crusading against the evil guys and I'm here to save the world. And like that's and their argument is, oh, that's such a naive, silly belief. It's such like a childish like, what is this, a comic book? You have the good, pure good guys and the pure bad guys and you're crusading for the side of good and the other side is the side of evil. And they're mocking that notion. They claim like, hey, wokeness and climate change ideology, it's like a fundamentalist religion and it warps people's mind and they have no common sense. And it's just silly because you're not pure good and your enemies aren't pure evil. That's the argument they make in the podcast. And here is Dave Rubin mirroring that exact ideology. Pfft. I'm pure good. My side is pure good. And the other side, bro, is pure evil. Did I mention the Wokies are in a religion? But me, on the other hand, I'm not. Even though I think I'm pure good, my side is pure good, the other side is pure evil, and we're at war. You're at war. Really, you're at war. You're at war. Please. God, there's no... She has no substantive points. Man, isn't the left really stupid? Aren't they really dumb? Isn't climate change, like, totally fake, bro? I'm so smart. We're at war. God, it's, he's so dumb. It's unbelievable. This is so getting brain worms watching this. I think this divergence that I'm talking about, uh, it's going to lead us to a very weird place. So we need more people to come down the path that I'm trying. 
come down the path. But remember, he's not the religious one. He's not the one who's got a fundamentalist religion. He's not the childish one with the pure good, the pure evil. Of course, no. That's only that's only the left. Trying to lay out for you guys right here, and I think it actually is happening. All right, there you have it. Look, I mean, it's just honestly, it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing for everybody involved because if if you're not actually steel manning your opponents, you're not being intellectually honest and intellectually curious. You're just you're playing for your team and you're you know, trying to score cheap points. And that's the sense that I got with all this stuff here. It's kind of pathetic, you know? It's kind of pathetic, but there you have it. Um, Jordan Peterson pretending like climate change stuff is uh, irrational to care about that. And uh, Dave Rubin trying desperately to to milk little last droplets of cloud off this. I wanted to share this with you guys. This caught my eye the other day. So the political streamer Destiny, who I would I would describe as like a like a center left kind of guy, he um he went on Twitter and said the following: "Hi team YouTube, I've appealed a medical misinformation strike for this video, and then he links the video where I believe I wrongly received a strike for critiquing a Project Veritas video. Would appreciate it if someone could take a deeper look at the strike. Thank you." And then he also went on to say the following, LOL, okay, Team YouTube thinks, seems to think I am propagating misinformation, so probably done talking about COVID and vaccine-related stuff on my channel forever, unless they tweak their moderation stuff. See you on Friday. So um, what Destiny is referring to here, now I did not see his original video that he's talking about, but what he's referring to is there was a Project Veritas video that came out. And my understanding about that Project Veritas video is they claim here's an insider at Pfizer who's saying uh, here at Pfizer, we are trying to create a new um, variant of COVID-19. We're trying to create a new variant of COVID-19. So in other words, uh, Pfizer is doing some sort of gain of function research. And of course, you know, the, the assumption and implication from the right is that this is not safe. This is bad. This, in theory, could have been what created COVID-19 in the first place. So, hey, um, everybody get outraged. Everybody, you know, try to stop Pfizer from doing it, whatever. Now, look, whenever you talk about Project Veritas, you have to add the caveats. The guy who runs it, the James O'Keefe, the guy who's like the head guy there, he's a convicted criminal. <laughs> and he's a criminal because he's a liar. Like, he's just been caught flat out fabricating stuff and taking things out of context and misleading people. And that all that stuff I just said is not even close to controversial. That's just like the bare minimum that you have to acknowledge whenever you talk about Project Veritas or you're not being honest. It's like, okay, known liar group claims X. Okay, so maybe put a little asterisk there, right? Like, okay, may, maybe they have a point, but maybe they don't because this guy's been known to lie time and time again. Anyway, so um, now... There's a whole conversation you can have about gain-of-function research, and I can give you guys my take on that, but that's really beside the point for this conversation. The point I want to make is, look at how YouTube is, is acting here. This is the exact problem I've run into a number of times. So to give you a couple examples uh, from my own experience, when Trump went on, what was it? I think it's called the Full Send podcast, the podcast with the Nelk Boys. It's a very, very big podcast. Remember, YouTube banned that whole podcast with Trump. Now, I had covered a portion of that podcast and reacted to it in real time. And, um, you know, in that podcast, Trump brought up like election misinformation stuff, which he does in almost every single interview. And I think 
in theory, that's why YouTube banned the whole thing. But so I played it and I was like rebutting Trump and res- responding to him and disagreeing and, you know, bringing up facts that counter his narrative. And YouTube banned my whole video, too. So just me covering that, even though I was disagreeing with Trump, they were like, no, this, you know, we're banning this whole thing. That's astonishing. Another great example. Um, Alex Jones, a few years back, was going around everywhere and saying, I never said Sandy Hook was a hoax. I never said it was a conspiracy theory. I never said any of that. And um, I, I remember being just astonished he would make that claim, given like, bro, you were on tape. You were recorded. It's not like... This stuff is findable. We know you did say it. So what did I do? Well, I covered Alex Jones saying that. And I played what was a a Media Matters compilation. They had spliced together all the different times throughout the years that he did call it a conspiracy. He did call it a hoax. He did say Obama's doing this because he wants to come and take your guns. And so I played on my show that compilation of him saying all those things and, you know, responding to him and being like, this guy is just a brazen liar. Well, guess what? YouTube banned that video as well. Totally pulled it down. Pulled down me criticizing Trump on in the Nelk Boys interview and pulled down me uh, debunking Alex Jones in real time. And so now here you have a case, again, regardless of what you think of the Project Veritas thing, um, here's Destiny saying, hey, I'm, I'm disagreeing with this and, and I'm very likely in that video going after the right for vaccine misinformation, which they propagate on a regular basis. And... He's being treated just like he's propagating the misinformation. This is the exact same. Jordan Chariton, you know, investigative reporter Jordan Chariton over at the Status Quo YouTube channel. He was on the ground at January 6th. He has video on the ground of every the riot that unfolded, the coup attempt. He has video of all of it. He was there. So he posts that on his YouTube channel. He licenses that footage out to a lot of the big media players. I don't remember which specific ones it was, but it was like CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, one of those, right? He, he, he licensed that footage to them. And what does YouTube do? YouTube bans Jordan Chariton's own footage from his own channel, and they allow it up for the major media outlets. What? This is not a guy who's, you know, pushed rigged election stuff. If anything, he's debunked rigged election stuff. So he has firsthand investigative journalism, and they're like, for you, not okay, but for the mainstream players, we're going to leave it. This is a problem, man. This is a huge problem. And this is what we talk about when we say YouTube has issues, right? I'm convinced that in the algorithm, um, and you saw David Pakman talk about this recently, I talked about this recently, other um, you know, left-leaning YouTubers have talked about this. We get treated like we are part of the problem When in a world that made sense, we would be viewed as part of the solution, right? Like, if you don't want Las Vegas mass shooting conspiracy spreading, okay, maybe you should pump some people who are going to debunk that theory. Hello, right? If you don't want the vaccine misinformation spreading, maybe you should pump some people who know how to debunk that, but also are independent and can appeal to a, a young audience. The idea that you could just like rely on CNN, who nobody likes, the hosts are not charismatic or interesting, rely on them to debunk these, these right-leaning voices that are charismatic, it's never going to work. Don Lemon is never going to out-charisma like Alex Jones or something, right? So it, this is a problem, man. This is a huge problem. And so clearly Destiny's dealing with it. We've dealt with it over here. And YouTube has to make some changes. They have to, have to make some changes. And I hope... 
you know, honest media outlets can look at this and and call YouTube out for what they're doing here, because this is, again, part of the problem. They think any sort of independent alternative media is a problem by its very nature, right? So, and don't get, don't get me wrong. There are outlets, uh, like alternative media outlets, independent media outlets that do spread misinformation and stuff, but they just treat, they treat all of us like we're the same. And that's not true and it's not fair. And they're shooting themselves in the foot. We could be a badge of honor, right? Like if YouTube wants to debunk vaccine misinformation stuff, well, I'm sure Destiny did that. And instead of like pumping the video, they, they ban it. It's crazy. So anyway, there you have it. Uh, YouTube better get its act together. All right, y'all. So here we go. Um, Joe Biden is going to be giving his State of the Union address soon. Now, by the way, we're going to be covering that live. So uh, tune in on this YouTube channel to to see the live stream of that. It'll be myself and the Breaking Points crew. But the the leak that we're getting now is that Biden is about to lean into the economy. By the way, as if the economy is like doing just peachy. You can't make this stuff up. So the argument from uh, the argument from Biden is effectively going to be. Remember when Hillary did this? America's already great. Trump says, make America great again. Hillary said, America's already great. Guys, that is not a good line. That flies directly in the face of people's personal experience. You're never going to win this argument. Okay, so let's read some of what they say here. This is in the Hill. President Biden is expected to lean into an economic message as he and his campaign team conduct a soft launch of his reelection campaign in the coming weeks. Sources familiar with the plan say... A strong report on the economy this week that showed the nation is adding jobs even as inflation cools is stoking confidence among Democrats that the economy can bolster Biden in 2024 after many feared it was a hindrance in the 2022 midterm message for the party. So let me pause here to say, I just, these guys, they don't take into account enough economic indicators. If all you're going by is like the inflation number, the unemployment number, jobs created, I think that misses so much. It's so it's so flippant. It's so glib. It doesn't take into account that we live in like the gig economy. Like people are people are showing their ball sack on OnlyFans or driving an Uber and Biden's about to do a victory lap. Like, bro, you gotta come on. This is not like we haven't we're not in some utopian system where you could say, like, isn't everything great, bro? With the State of the Union address on February 7th, Biden is likely to give an upbeat tone on the economy that will roll into a campaign message that Democrats will that Democrats expect will highlight strong job numbers and rising wages. The economy, now, but here's the thing. Are the wages really rising? Because if it's not keeping up with inflation, which my understanding is to this point it hasn't, they're not really rising in real terms. So it's a little bit of sleight of hand type stuff that they're doing there. Quote, the economy can and will be a winning issue for Biden, said Gabriel Horowitz, senior vice president of the economic program at centrist think tank third way. So in other words, the guys who are always wrong about everything ever are like, hey, good idea. When you look at the top line stats, they're incredibly impressive. They are massive accomplishments in an expected message of the State of the Union. If an expected message of the State of the Union is that this union is strong, the projected message Biden wants to tout in 2024 is that the nation is stronger under his leadership and is emerging in good shape after the coronavirus pandemic. Jesus. That is not this. I mean, Trump made this mistake, too, in 2020. Keep America great. He went from make America great again to keep America great. Well, people look at that and they go, dog, we ain't doing too well. 
And so there was a backlash. Biden wants to recreate that mistake. Quote, are we better off than we were two years ago? Yes, said Robert Wolf, a prominent Democratic fundraiser. And not to be confused with Richard Wolf, by the way, and the former chairman and CEO of UBS Americas said of Biden's message. We have a strong jobs market with wages going up and inflation has peaked and is coming down. Biden is eager to claim credit for a record-breaking recovery from the COVID-19 recession, powered in part by the stimulus he and his Democrats deployed soon after he took office. Under Biden, the U.S. economy gained 11.2 million jobs and gross domestic product bounced back rapidly from the onset of the pandemic in 2020. The U.S. has replaced all of the jobs and GDP lost during the recession, all while a record strong labor market lifted wages for millions of American workers. The December jobless rate of 3.5% is also even with the unemployment rate in February 2020, which was then the lowest in more than 50 years. So, look, I'm not saying you can't bring up those things. I'm just saying you have to keep them in, in context and perspective. And the fact of the matter is, polls poll from a poll from this week says only 20% of Americans think the country is heading in the right direction. 20%. So you're never going to win this art. You can't just say everything's peachy, everything's rosy, because then people go, oh, you're really disconnected from how the average American feels. And you don't want that. Look, if you're going to go with the brag mindset, at least brag about the things that you did that were objectively good, right? So lowering prescription drug prices for seniors. No problem with you bragging about that. Finally, taxing these welfare queen corporations that sometimes paid 0% in taxes. Now you're taxing them 15%. Brag about that. Bringing $80 billion plus investment for green jobs here in America, made in America stuff. You can brag. Like, I'm fine with you saying, hey, here are the things that we did that were good. But you have to pair that together with, and we still have so much more work to do. And I'm on top of this work. And let me tell you what I'm working on now, man. Let me tell you exactly what we're going to do. Because again, just the, you know, blowing smoke up your ass and saying everything's already hunky-dory, that's not going to work. I think that's a real, real weak message. And I think it uh, is very disconnected. But what do you expect from the Washington, D.C. elite bubble? You know, this is a game to them. They they don't feel the pain, right? So anyway, there you have it. I think this is not a good move from one Joseph Raisinette Biden. So you all may be wondering... Hey, Kyle, why are there like naked women on your screen right now? (laughs) The answer to that is um, these women aren't real. They're actually AI generated. So I want to show you them. And um, curious what your your guys thoughts on this are. Now, the first time I saw this. I thought they were real. I didn't I didn't think they were fake. I thought these were real pictures. So this person tweeted, it's, it is so over. So these are, all, these are all fake. None of these women are real. I guess what the AI did is did an amalgamation of like OnlyFans girls or porn stars or Instagram models or whatever. And this is what they spit out. Um, that looks real. I mean, the proportions are kind of crazy, right? Like the, the bazongas that, that some of these women have is kind of like, goddamn. Uh, but it, I had no idea at first glance that these were fake. And then you had to like, you had to read the responses and everything to learn this fake. AI really is getting crazy, man. I tweeted this the other day. I don't know how many of you guys saw it. Uh, somebody put in some AI thing, uh, do the show family guy as a 1990 sitcom. And the result was like astonishing. It looked like if family guy was a 1990 sitcom. 
it's just out of this world. Just out of this world. It like the leaps that we seem to be making with AI are now stunning. It went from like two, three years ago, stuff wasn't that good, to now you're like, wait, hold on. This looks this looks kind of real, right? Like this looks real. And then here I'll show you this one too. Now, I'm gonna explain to you guys what the giveaway is. How you know this is fake, apart from the like preposterous uh, you know, proportions that these ladies have. So there's actually two things to point out. One of them is look at their hands. For whatever reason, it's so weird, right? Like for whatever reason, the AI struggles with hands. They can't get hands right. Everything else appears to be like they nailed it. But then if you look at like look at her fingers. I can't zoom in on this thing, but look at her fingers. Uh, just total mess up. You see these two fingers are like on top of each other in a way that's very awkward and clearly makes this fake. So fingers are one thing. Fingers are one issue. Here, I'm going to show you there's one other really bad mess up with the fingers right here. The lady on the left right here. Those fingers are totally jacked up. If I zoom in on them, you could tell that they're not even close to, to accurate, right? And then the other thing is, again, I can't zoom in, but if you zoom in, the teeth sometimes are messed up too. They have like way more teeth than they should, or the teeth go on too long, or like there's the, a tooth is in the middle. It's not like the two front teeth that most people have. It's like one that's right in the middle. Um, but that's the only thing you can tell. So look, I'll ask you guys, is this going to, just based on what you see here, is this going to sort of be an issue for like, OnlyFans girls, porn workers. I mean, I would say sex workers, but this is more like these aren't like sex robots. This is just AI pictures, right? And I'm sure they could do like AI videos. There's another scandal going on right now, by the way. I'm such a boomer. I don't know the people involved, but I guess some Twitch streamer or some YouTube streamer and dude was caught looking at deep fake porn of other creators. Apparently, they had, there's some deep fake porn site or outlet or service that like it can make make it look like anybody's in porn because it's a deep fake um and so dude was caught looking at that and then like he did some stream crying and apologizing and he was with his girlfriend which is oh, yikes that's that's rough stuff but like the, is seems like the you know it the ai revolution is coming dog the AI and if and if they can even like once we get to hey even creative type stuff can be done by AI, then everybody's screwed. Then everybody's screwed because obviously when you talk about some manual labor type thing or, or working on a line at the factory, you know it's not hard to conceptualize of a machine doing that. I'm not saying it's a good thing. I don't want people to lose their jobs, but it's not hard to conceptualize. Hey, that's a thing that's happening and will continue to happen. But once you get to like it's sex workers. It's, it's, uh, it's people who write for a living articles. I mean, I saw some headline that some outlets are now using AI chatbots to write articles. By the way, I tried the chat GPT thing. Um, Sagar sent me and Crystal. It was a debate between me and Trump on chat GPT. And I'm here to tell you that is not as good yet because it just showed like, it was just like generic Republican debating generic Democrat. It didn't really have the Trump affectations and cadence and, and word usage. It didn't have my affectation and word usage. And it was very like just generic standard lefty versus standard righty. <clears throat> it didn't really capture my essence or Trump's essence. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so it's still, it's not there yet for that, at least for this. 
they're other than the hands, other than the teeth, that it is uh these people don't exist and it is blowing my mind. So is are is every industry in danger? And that gets into a bigger conversation, man. We've had this conversation before, but Stephen Hawking um warned us about this. He said, look, we're going to hit a crossroads when it comes to artificial intelligence. Um, we could either make it so there's a chicken in every pot, everybody's taken care of, and you basically have some artificial intelligence that does your work for you and you reap the benefits, or we can continue down the path we're going, which is this ruthless, rigid, capitalist hierarchy where um, the wealthy will get all of the benefits of in AI economy and everybody else will be fighting for the crumbs. And then you're really asking for civil disobedience, civil unrest revolution, because people just won't have enough to get by. They just won't have enough to get by. So anyway, the AI stuff is crazy, man. This is crazy to me. These are, these are not real women. And at first I was like, yeah, that's just, this is some real women. Wrong. They're not. Uh, Anyway, Curious to know what you guys think about all this. All right, guys, that's the show. I love y'all very much. Got a little bit of a short one today. Remember, um, your boy is in Austin, Texas. I am going on Joe Rogan's show. That should be fun. That should be interesting. Uh, Maybe we'll talk a little bit about Biden, talk a little bit about DeSantis, talk a little bit about some areas where we disagree. Uh, Should be fun. And we're all, I'm also doing a, Live show with the Breaking Points crew at the Paramount Theater in Austin, Texas. I think the seats are sold out. Not 100% sure, but you could, you know, check Breaking Points live show, Paramount Theater. If there are any seats left, you guys are welcome to come. Um, I love all you. By the way, listen to the show on Spotify now. YouTube's being a little <laughs> with the algorithm yet again. So listen to the full show on, on Spotify if you'd like. Just another way to get the show and you get everything all at once. It's not the separate clips where you got to uh, click on each one. And remember, guys... Like the video, subscribe to the channel. We gotta, we gotta try to get to that one million um, YouTube sub mark, and it, it's, it's a battle. It's a battle, but if, I hope if you guys like the show and you listen, you can subscribe and help us get there faster. Anyway, I love all you guys. I'll talk to you soon. Much love.